If you have your own story of being in a cult or a high control group, or if you've had experience with manipulation or abuse of power that you'd like to share, leave us a message on our hotline number at 347-86-TRUST. That's 347-868-7878. Or shoot us an email at trustmepod at gmail.com. Trust me. Dude, you trust me. Trust me. I'm like a smart person. I've never lied to you. I never have lied to you. If you think that one person has all the answers, don't. Welcome to Trust Me, the podcast about cult, extreme belief, and manipulation from two gardeners Hmm. who've actually experienced it. I'm Lola Blanc. And I'm Megan Elizabeth. Today, our guest is Annie Taylor, executive producer of Discovery's The Garden, Commune, or Cult. Annie spent time with the controversial off-the-grid community that went viral on TikTok for accusations of being a cult and disturbing allegations about a cat. Fascinating show, fascinating interview. Annie discusses how the crew just showed up at the commune one day in hopes of filming and were initially turned down, but then spent a week with them off camera, earning the trust of the community. Brilliant. She'll tell us what it was like filming on the group's new property with a fascinating cast of characters as they build a community outside, dumpster diving as their primary food source and trying to escape tornadoes without shelter. We'll discuss their attempt at being leaderless and how that goes wrong and right, the founder's connection to rainbow gatherings and whether or not it's a cult. Before we get into it with Annie Taylor, and I have to say, I'm like, I'm very into the show. I'm very into this interview. The story of what the crew itself experienced Uh, is itself a show as we kind of joke about in this episode but yeah so it's so fascinating before we get into it with annie what's your cultiest thing megan i mean i think my cultiest thing this week is just how much the show and our conversation with annie has reminded me about how important community is and healthy community being the key word Mm -hmm. and how we find that and how we create that and it is really interesting to watch these people try to create a community that is leaderless and how like like we said how that can go wrong and right it's just so interesting i know as i was watching and i mean we can talk about it more at the end of the interview but as i was watching i was like i like what they're trying to do yeah yeah but it's it's so hard like why is it so hard to create community that's not even just culty but just like not like catty and like dramatic and where people start hating each other like <laughs> I, I know it's it's fun i mean humans are funny hierarchy just like forms and it's so annoying because you, you like yeah i know you think you can be better than that but we are still just like animals it's so weird but we're animals that need community community like we need it. Yeah, yeah it's so stupid i feel like the answer is just like nonviolent communication yeah 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 <laughs> you know like attempting to always be evaluating whether we're being our healthiest selves you know like i don't i don't really know another way to do it yeah yeah but then you know it's hard to do that when group dynamics come into play whatever Um, yeah we'll discuss it yeah Um, what about you what's the cultiest thing that happened to you this week okay so i discovered a thing that somehow i didn't know about what (laughs) i know shocking (laughs) shocking I'm just surprised I'd never heard about this. Okay. So as I mentioned in earlier episodes, my brother had an anoxic brain injury and he's back at home with my mom now. But, you know, healing cognitively can be a lot slower than healing physically. And, you know, it's still very much a a fight to get him better, which is all very much up in the air. Mm -hmm. Um, So I've been looking up, you know, different kinds of treatments and Research and different things that we're trying. We're doing the hyperbaric oxygen chamber. We're doing, you know, we're getting him a like transcranial direct stimulation mm-hmm. device from NYU. Anyway, 
But one of the things that is like the big thing that everyone talks about is stem cell treatment, which there has been some good evidence on, but it's not like there's so much more research that needs to be done. Mm -hmm. So in the meantime, all of these clinics are off are saying that they do stem cell treatment and they're offering stem cell treatment but it's not fda approved it's not regulated Uh it's just random people making money off of desperate families trying to heal their family members whether it's from a brain thing or an eye thing or their various uh, things various ailments so i go on clinicaltrials.gov and I'm looking up trials yeah. and I and it does say the government does not regulate these or whatever but like I've never looked at that before so I'm seeing studies and I see one that's run by a doctor in Florida and so I click it and and then I call the guy and I was like okay great this says for brain injury and he qualifies talk to the guy on the phone this guy starts like talking about the science but like in a really vague way Mm -hmm. and like he doesn't really ask anything about my brother's medical history he asks like a question but like i was like oh what the injury only happened like two months ago so you know i I realized that the most of the healing happens in the first however many months so it might you know he might need to wait and he was like no no it's fine Uh and then he says to me you're obviously very intelligent, so I can tell you've been doing the research online, and I, I can tell you've been in the literature and looking at everything, so I'm, I don't have to explain everything to you. Mm. Red flag, mm-hmm. buddy. Mm-hmm. So I'm on the phone, and I'm like, huh, and I Google him because it's not at a university. It's like at a clinic. Right. So I Google him, and then these articles come up. Is he like essentially love bombing you? Yes. Oh my God. He's like, if I make you feel good about yourself, you'll turn off your critical thinking and, and like, and be like, yeah, I am smart. I don't have to look up too much, but hearing that out of a doctor is like major red flags. Yeah. No, no. Don't compliment my intelligence. That's not what we're doing here. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's nice, but, but it's fake. I mean, it's a tactic. Yeah. So then I found that this guy um, and I'm hesitant to say his name because I'm like, I don't want yeah, don't, to I get mean, sued. Just don't. But y'all can look it up for yourself. They, you First of all, you go to the website. I should have known from the website. Like, it's like basically like a stock medicine website. It's like the one you made graphics. in middle school. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like an angel fire yeah, website. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and there, there was like a fucking BBC podcast talking about this this clinic when they had a different name oh jeez there's uh an article from this like um concerned medical sorry writer i mean it's just all to say the more desperate you are the more red flags you overlook yes oh and so here's the kicker he's charging eighteen thousand dollars oh my god for a quotation marks trial oh my gosh and so like as he was saying that like it it didn't even like hit me right away i was like oh whatever it takes whatever it takes and then like as he went on i was like wait why would he be why would he be charging um also i don't know how i'd pay eighteen thousand dollars even if that was how much it cost um anyway turns out uh, one of their former patients went blind. Oh, my gosh. Um, other former patients are like, yeah, I did nothing, or now I'm worse. Oh, my and God. And now they're out tens of thousands of dollars. And uh, and they're just fucking out there doing this, man. And then I started looking it up, and, like, the FDA issued this, like, big warning being like, please be careful of stem cell centers Yikes. and treatments. And, pl- like, this is not legitimate. It is not 
Um, like it is a science that is emerging and that is exciting, but when it's done in a completely unregulated way yeah. by just Joe Schmo over here. Oh, by the way, this guy has not been a doctor in like 20 years wow. um, because he relinquished his license because of complaints. Cool. Um, so anyway, what I'm saying is be wary of anyone who compliments your intelligence yeah. instead of uh, giving you the science. And also like... If you're going to go to clinicaltrials.gov, make sure it's through a legitimate university right. or company that exists, that, you know, that is, uh, what's the word? Legitimate. Legitimate. <laughs> I can't think of a word besides legitimate. Yeah. Um, wow. So anyway, also, if you've uh, navigated this world before and uh, would like to DM me, please do so because I would love to know all the possible ways to cure my brother that are science-based and not not. Okay. That's all. That's my cultiest thing. Well, I'm so sorry you guys are dealing with this. I hope that he gets better soon, and I would totally fall into that if this was my brother going through it. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's really easy to want to, like, suspend your disbelief mm-hmm. because it just you need help, you know? Yeah. Um, but, you know, trying to be – trying to attack it with a critical eye. Beautiful. All right. Should we talk to Annie? Let's talk to Annie. Okay. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. We sell t-shirts online and even just that is tough to do. If you're someone who's selling not just t-shirts but also say ceramics or furniture or whatever else you sell, Shopify is so useful for online sales. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From launching your online shop to the first real life store all the way to did we just hit a million orders? Shopify is there to help you grow. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify has the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And they help you sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash trust me, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash trust me now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash trust me. You know that's the sound of another sale on your online Shopify store. But did you know Shopify powers selling in person too? That's right. Shopify is the sound of selling everywhere online, in-store, on social media, and beyond. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers in-line and online. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash true crime. Welcome, Annie Taylor, to Trust Me. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited to uh, chat. Me too. I was obsessed watching this show. Like, I feel like we watch a lot of cult shows and I don't get that invested because I'm like, I know how this story goes. And with this one, it was there was so much I could not have predicted. Can you tell us how you first learned about the garden and how you came to be filming it? 
Definitely. And that's a bit of a story. Um, so settle in. But uh, <laughs> the production company I work for is a company called Hot Snakes Media. And we do a lot of subculture shows. So like the thing that we're known for most is a show called Breaking Amish. It's been on TLC mm. for a number of years, but, you know, various spinoffs. So my, I got my, my start doing Amish shows, doing shows about fundamentalist Mormons, doing shows about a ton of, ton of other stuff. So this show was actually given to us by an executive at Discovery. You know, we have a good relationship with them. And they were like, you should look into this place because the garden at the time had blown up on TikTok for various cult accusations. Right. So this was like one of those leads where you're like, okay, this feels very much in our wheelhouse. And it makes sense why you give it to our company because we have we have work in subcultures. So, but the difference is, and, and like a lot of the other people that we work with, um, but they're entirely off grid. So that was, that was the question when we first got handed the project of like, okay, how do we actually get access to the garden? Right. Because they live in a commune uh, separate from society. So after just some discussion, we decided that the best way to do it was to go down and physically make contact with them. Um, oh, wow. as opposed to doing any sort of like standard outreach, I think discovery at the time did a little bit, but failed to really get through. So, mm-hmm. um, so it was it was kind of one of those like I get a phone call from the owner of my company Eric Evangelista and he says we need you to be on a flight this weekend out to a commune in the middle of Tennessee. Like, <laughs> it, yeah, yes or no? Right now, right, right. right. And, and, and being currently in New York, like I I love society. Just you know, right. I love the creature comforts. <laughs> I love I love Uber Eats. I love Seamless. I love all those things. But you know, it's that's hard to turn down. That's an offer. Um, yeah. So. So yeah, I did. I packed up and I went out there and and the thought was, and I think this was maybe a little optimistic from our team was like, okay, go out with some camera operators and then hopefully you can convince them to let you film this experience of you just like making contact, which within an hour, we realized they were not down with that, understandably, when mm-hmm. a team, like a producer and a team of camera operators roll onto your land and... and right. Oh, my roll. God. Jonestown situation could <laughs> not be good. Yeah. Go on. I mean, I definitely had those thoughts, too, because yeah. the research I did going into it was reading or, you know, watch, watching all the TikToks and reading all the articles that people are pretty adamant that, no, this is a cult. You know, they ate a cat, they skinned a cat, all these weird things, you know? I think we take a pause there to just talk about the TikTok videos and what the lore around it was. Because this blew up on TikTok. A girl, she chose to kill a cat. Well, she was told to kill the cat. There was a lot of drama, a lot of like cult panic around this group because they were like, they're skinning cats, they're eating them. They're what wearing up? their heads as hats. You know, and they look like these very sort of stereotypical, like wild child, hippie, burning man people all dancing around. And there's this fiery redhead guy with an accent who seems like really over the top and, you know, leader-esque. Tons of people on TikTok. I'd be scared going in is all to say. I mean, there's persuasive arguments on either side. And, and it's funny that you say the, the force to eat or not. The the woman who actually was at the center of the, the cat eating, she would pretty proudly say, like, we ate it because it has protein. And, of course, I, it, like, why buy a hat if you can make it, you know? They definitely are a group of people at its base that are looking for shock value to get people's attention you know, because mm. they want to shock you out of your normal way of life. And so those sort of things, it doesn't surprise me that they were doing that because they want to make a point. Like, why are you going to the store and 
buying your clothing when there's a more sustainable way of doing it. But then if you zoom out a bit, it's like, did that go too far? Did killing a cat go too far? Maybe if it was a deer, would it be a different conversation? But, right. you know, so um, yeah, my I was definitely apprehensive going into the garden for that first time meeting because I had not, unlike any other show I'd done, I had made zero contact with them going into it. So it was a, a big leap of faith. And we show up and immediately they're extremely skeptical of us. Um, for obvious reasons, because we had professional camera equipment with us. Um, so within moments, like, you know, we had to kind of declare who we were. And and so, you know, I, I made that our intentions known, like we're from Discovery Channel, so to speak. You know, it's easier to say that than than a small production company that you probably have never heard of. But uh, and we're interested in possibly filming. And because they are a consensus based community, they need to put everything up to to a vote and have a hundred percent unanimous consent to do anything. So within days, like hours of being there, that was initially brought up. Okay. We have this camera crew. What do we think? Are they going to be allowed to film? That was blocked, but we were allowed to stay. So mm-hmm. they allowed us to stay for the duration of what's called the harvest festival, which is a 10 day gathering. And it's one of those points in the year that it's more conducive for outsiders to come in because it is this, harvest and they do fun workshops and things like that to try to just, um, you know, get their word out a little bit bigger, you know, what kind of workshops? Like I learned how to harvest sweet potatoes and like build a Mm. bird box and all sort of things. Um, in addition to talking about how society's careening towards like destruction, there's like all those things are just, uh, brought up, whether it's like, uh, mediated conversation for an afternoon or, uh, learning how to make pizza in an off-grid sort of fire oven. Um, so it's it's definitely catered towards the outside world, these gatherings, because it's like, hey, look, you can do this too, sort of thing. Um, and then when you stay longer, you realize that it's it's a bit more hardcore. You know, they are living completely without creature comforts of, of the world. Um, so I stayed for the duration of the 10 days, me and the camera operators. And like I said, it ended up being this like wild, like crazy leap of faith that eventually paid off. We, as, as project oriented individuals, it was bizarre. Cause I was like, we can't do our job and, and their whole society is based off of mutual aid. So like, I do this for you, you do this for me. And together we create a society. So we made it our mission to fix up the sauna that they had rudimentary, like it was a rudimentary sauna that they had previously built, but it had like a hornet and rat infestation and no real way of conducting heat. So, um, me and my two operators just put our heads together and made the sauna actually function. And it subsequently caught fire during our, I know. So we didn't do a great job, but ended up being kind of this, this bonding moment of like, you know, uh, forged in fire in which the community actually saw that we were committed to, to working with them and um, living their way of life. But yeah, that, that entire two weeks or 10 days, didn't shower. We used the compost toilet. Uh, we cooked in the outdoor kitchen. We ate dumpster food, the whole thing. So it was it was a wild, insane, very fun, crazy experience. And we slowly chipped away at their paranoia because initially it was, they're the FBI. They're trying to expose us. And that's uh, a little bit, I mean, it's not just for this group, but off-grid communities in general. Paranoia is definitely a, a hallmark of these communities. Um, and because they're predominantly anarchists, 
like a lot of them believe that the government is out to get out, out to get them. Um, so once we convinced them that they, that we weren't the FBI, they, they dropped their guard a bit. And, uh, and we just, you know, we, we danced around the fire. We did that whole thing too. Is it paranoid if people from TikTok are trying to tell you you're a murderous cult or is it just kind of normal if you're trying to live up the grid to feel like everyone's attacking you or trying to kill you? <laughs> No, but that's like that sort that ended up becoming part of the tension of the show. It's like the chicken and the egg sort of like, yeah, are they this or are they acting a certain way because they were accused of being the great. You know, that's the sound of another sale on your online Shopify store. But did you know Shopify powers selling in person, too? That's right. Shopify is the sound of selling everywhere. Online, in-store, on social media, and beyond. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers in-line and online. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash true crime. Over the course of those 10 days that we were there, that we chipped away at their paranoia and that paranoia within this group and a lot of off-grid communities is kind of rampant because um, most of these people are anarchists or, you know, have come to this way of life because they are otherwise uh, misfits. And I say that like lovingly, they would also call themselves this. So there's a lot of like mistrust, but once we were able to convince them that we weren't the FBI, they dropped their guard. (laughs) How do you convince someone of that? Are you um, like, I love drugs or like, right. I mean, there definitely was some like conversations about like, like mushrooms. Like that was like a big thing. <laughs> cool. about, like, do we allow mushrooms? Do we not? And I was like, you know, do you want my personal opinion? Cause I'm like, eh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> whatever. But, um, <laughs> so when, when you start participating in conversations like that, they're like, Oh, okay. Maybe, maybe you're cool. I want to talk about once filming actually started too, but I'm so sure. curious about this period because you're not working. You're just, your whole job is to just like connect with these people. Did you find that you were bonding with them? Did you feel a connection with them or anyone in particular? Yeah, definitely. And it was, again, it was like a bit of a struggle to start. It was slow going to start. So, you know, we would get up in the morning, uh, me and my two camera operators go down to breakfast and try to participate because that's a big thing. Like meals in any society, off grid or not, is the, um, you know, a uniting point. So we tried to make ourselves visible and available. And initially it was just like, everyone's polite, but they don't want anything to do with us. Also, we had shown up to their gathering and they're kind of like, you crashed the party vibes. Like there's Mm -hmm. that. Um, So we decided to just start doing as many workshops as possible. And they are, you know, strong, manly men. And so they did a lot of like chopping wood and building while I went and tried to just like chat and do the, um, you know, is the world ending workshops sort of thing. (laughs) And uh, so I would say after the first few days, uh, Julia of Julian tree was one of the people that I initially connected with. And I, and I want to say like, for obvious reasons, uh, because she is someone that she grew up in New York. She grew up in Long Island. She went to college. She has exposure to New York city. She found this way of life out of college, traveling Europe and going to a rainbow gathering. Mm. So there was just like a baseline of similarities in that like 
oh, you went to this place in Brooklyn. I've been to this place in Brooklyn, you know? Right, right, right. Yeah, that's how you, it's breaking bread. She had also great hair. She was great, she was great hair. Yeah, and so there's like, how do you shower? Can you help me? Like, you know, I was distracted by it. I was like, you're like, you're not showering. How do you? Who's doing this? Is this (laughs) the color of your hair? So Julia was someone that I initially bonded with. And then Tree is very, like, he is who he's, he's like wild and fun and not afraid and, to, I love to go up to strangers and have, you know, uncomfortable conversations or whatnot. So he, he also was knocking on our door early on and was like, Hey, do you guys want to do this? Like you should come. Um, and Tree so, is the fiery redhead. He's Irish. He's Irish. He is Irish, but he also grew up in the, in the UK. Like, so he's like, he's both like, he says his accent is all messed up because of it. Um, but, yeah, I was like, I don't, I feel like he sounds just British, but okay. That makes sense. Right. Right. So, uh, so tree and Julia would definitely were, were people early on that, that I made a connection with. And then, uh, Patrick, uh, Patrick is, is he's the original founder of the garden, you know, 12 years ago. And he's kind of this like strong, silent, stoic type. Um, so he was someone I was initially intimidated by, um, because he, he does, he's a man of few words. Uh, he also has been absolutely at the core of like, is he the leader? Is he the cult leader? So mm-hmm. when I first show up, I'm like, oh my God, that's the cult leader. But you right. know, it's just a matter of, uh, making my own judgment or, or also just breaking down those barriers too. And I found him to be someone too, that, um, he's so incredibly thoughtful and it, to connect a rainbow, he is, he was literally born in a rainbow community. Like he's, he is so authentically this lifestyle because he's only ever lived it. So what is, um, that, yeah, what is, what is a rainbow community and a rainbow gathering? So the rainbow movement just was born in out of like the hippie culture back in the day. And it's, it was a gathering of pacifists and eventually it just became like, uh, and I want to say like in the sixties and or I mean, probably sixties, seventies, eighties, it became like a protest group and also uh, with a, with a eye towards sustainability. So these people just started having these gatherings throughout the United States and Colorado and whatnot to promote their cause, which oftentimes was either some sort of political like uh, agenda and or sustainability and earth friendliness. Um, so that said, like any sort of radical hippie group, they definitely had a, a more radical bend to them too. So there's parts of the group that were on the FBI watch list or parts of the group that were more mm. um, militant. Mm. So parts of the Rainbow Collective that were more militant, that were more prone to violent acts, which then landed the entire community on the FBI watch list. So, you know, it has a, a storied history where... They, if you're, if you are pro rainbow, you'll say, no, we're a bunch of pacifists. If you are skeptical, you, there's a number of different things you can point to, to be like, they were violent in the past. Mm. Um, but it became this just like breeding ground sounds bad too. a place of people that were like uh, anarchy definitely was like abound there too. So that doesn't help their cause as far as, um, making the government not skeptical of you, but Patrick will say at the time that he was born into it, it was a lot of earth friendly people that were just there to promote a different lifestyle. It has obviously evolved and now it's a relatively big party scene too. So there's that. So in addition to having a bit of a storied past with some various like violent acts that have been on record, now it is definitely more Burning Man adjacent 
or right. there's certain I was gonna of say, those yeah. gatherings that are Burning Man adjacent. So then it has that rep of being like, it's just a party scene. It's just a place to go do drugs and, you know, fuck off for a bit. But yeah, um, <laughs> yeah I know. I'm like, in, right. Um, so, so that is my like top line insight into rainbow. Mm-hmm. The garden is born of rainbow and rainbow is also international. So when I say it's, you know, that I'm talking about the national history, but it is an international thing. And, um, and so that's where Julia and tree met. They met at a rainbow collective in Sweden. Um, and, and then they fell in love and got married. So yeah, uh, it's an interesting, I mean, it's, it's incredibly fascinating because it taps into just like our national history and, and again, our deep seated, um, as a society paranoia and, uh, casting out of like anything countercultural. So, uh, it makes sense to me why they were accused of, you know, why they were added to the FBI watch list. But, right. you know, I think it's up to, it's, it's sort of like in the eye of the beholder, like, what do you believe? Do you think that they were just labeled that because they were hippies that were willing to live a different way or were they actually a violent, you know, anarchist group? I don't know. There are so many groups from that era that I feel like you could make a case on both sides for. They kind of did go hand in hand and it was like people had such individual different experiences. So that, I mean, maybe we should do an episode just on that later on, on the history of that. So you finally, you get in with this group, you spend this festival with them and Mm -hmm. then they are- so midsummer. It was midsummer adjacent for sure. Yes. Honestly, um, it it read to me like the show alone, which I'm obsessed with, but just with the most colorful cast of characters you can possibly imagine instead of one individual. Yeah. But so they then start this new location. So explain to us how that happened. Yeah. So essentially after this 10 day, we were able to break down, uh, again, their paranoia and the barriers and start a dialogue. So it wasn't like, okay, we're ready, signed on the dotted line, but it was like, okay, we can continue to court you and develop a TV show together, you know, mm-hmm. because so much of what we do or what I do, I, I think of my work as a partnership with the people that I have on camera. Like I might be the expert in television, but your words are better than mine. I never the type to be like to force feed anything. I want to just make your story shine for television. So at this point, it was like, what do you guys want to do and what can we can we do together? And they decided that they did not want to put the Tennessee property of the garden on camera because it has been so entrenched in this network of off-grid communities for so long. And it's their their hallmark quality is that it's an open door community. So they were like, we have people coming here from all over the world at any time, and we don't want them to walk into a, you know, into a situation where they could be filmed. Because as we said, these people are anarchists. They're, you know, sometimes not in the best graces with the law or maybe they're recovering alcoholics and they're just trying to like help themselves or they're runaways or they're coming out of like a domestic violence situation. So there's a lot Mm -hmm. of reasons why it became untenable to film at the Tennessee property, but they have a network of communities. And so they were in the process currently of developing a property in Missouri. They had, they also have a Florida location um, and they wanted Missouri because it connects up to the Northern other there, you know, there's a, there's hundreds and thousands of these. Not th- yeah, actually th- I would say thousands of these, of these off-grid communities that are not just under the garden umbrella, but they all work together. So there's this whole like Northern network and they wanted, 
they wanted a location up there to connect into those communities. Yeah, they said something there about like it connects into our North or like South Dakota network. And I was like, what, what, what does that mean? Fuck? Like, are they, is there like a Facebook group where like, how are they connecting? Totally. With I know. I know. This is what's also crazy about this is this is like, these people are right under our noses. Truly. Like they, it's like, if you were to drive by this community nine times out of 10, you wouldn't even think twice. You wouldn't even see them. But then it's like, mm-hmm. wait, that's a tent in the woods. Like what are they? And they're, it's like a, it's a group of people. So these places exist all over the place. You wow. just don't notice them. Um, and, and it has turned me on to being able to see it or like, or, you know, seeing someone dumpster diving, you you immediately think of them in a stereotype of like, oh, this is a homeless person or they're up no, to no good or whatever. Yeah. When they could actually be a member of this community searching for food to feed 30 people. Um, so it's made wow. me flip things on, my, on, on its head for me too. But yeah, they have a whole network. Hello, I'm Rabia Chaudhary. I invite you to join me every Tuesday for new episodes of Nighty Night Bedtime Stories to Keep You Awake now on Podcast One. This new incarnation of Nighty Night is an anthology of stories that bring to life classic horror stories, some you're definitely familiar with and others you'll be hearing for the first time. Join me as I tuck you into bed with stories that will leave you sleepless all night long. Get new episodes of Nighty Night every Tuesday wherever you get your podcasts. To clarify one thing about off-grid, because that was something that like threw me too, they are off-grid, meaning they are off the electrical grid and the plumbing grid. So they, they no running water, no nothing. They also don't have any, like they don't plug into any like wall outlets. They do all have phones and they do it through solar power because they obviously have a huge social media presence and a big recruiting tool that they use is TikTok is... Instagram is Facebook. So these groups do connect through social media, but um, so they're on the grid in that sense. Um, But yeah, I, there, there are definitely Facebook or it's weird. I mean, I'm like part of like Amish Facebook too. I'm like tapped into all the weirdest weirdest Facebook. Yeah. I bet you have so many stories. Oh my gosh. I know. So in terms of leadership, so they're starting this new community, Patrick, the founder is there as well as tree who has a very leadery quality about him, at least on camera and on social media. Oh, he's so fun. He's really, I mean, he seems just wild, like yeah. a wild is it's true. Yeah. Tell he, us- is, he is that. Yeah. And and that's the thing about him. Like he, and I, I pride myself on showing people authentically, you know, like better or worse. I really try to shed a light on who you, you are to your core and Tree's best qualities were also his Achilles heel while he was there. Like he is just unfiltered and uh, a little like egomaniacal, but I think he would say that too. Like he like, he's a, he's a theater guy. Like he wants, he wants to be on camera. He wants to get the word out and like anything, if you're willing to be that person to like expose yourself and to be the face of anything, like you're going to get dragged or you're going to put your foot in your mouth eventually. So right. like, his again, like best qualities end up being some things that bit him in the ass throughout the course of filming. What was your impression of the leadership situation? Mm-hmm. And there's like ostensibly not supposed to be any hierarchy, but then it's a group of humans. So naturally some will form. Can you talk about that a little bit? I was impressed by the the commitment to the uh, the unanimous consent. 
like the the commitment to the leaderless society really, really impressed me. And it comes with a ton of work because naturally, if you are more skilled at something, people are going to look to you to give your input, to guide you, to lead you. Leading is like such an ugly word. And it's so funny because like, I remember being a kid and it would be the best thing of like, be a leader, not a follower. You know, like it's such a, it's so encouraged out in the real world or whatever, out in Babylon as they call it. Um, But there they really, really tried to make a, like to give you an example, Patrick is the best builder. He just, he knows how to build. He's done, he's lived in this way of life forever. He will make a conscious effort to not project manage. Like he will, he will make himself a laborer to not just like have that natural sort of leader image form. So um, that was my insight. I mean, whether or not I think there are leaders is like my personal opinion doesn't really matter here. (laughs) You know, it's not my job to, to tell you if I do or do not think there are, I can say that I think there are compelling arguments on either side. Um, And if leadership formed, uh, it's, you know, I think the garden will say that's not with intent, but I think outsiders might say, no, that is with intent. There's a, there's a reason why they have a hierarchy. It's to consolidate power and to have free labor by the people underneath you. And that would be the counter argument, but the people within would say, no, we are all one people. And and if you think of me as a leader, that's not because I'm claiming myself to be the leader, you know, that sort of thing. It's interesting watching the consensus. What is it called? The gathering that they do is that was council, there- council, council, council for every decision that gets made, including about who's allowed to stay past the 10 day trial period. Mm-hmm. Everyone gathers and they have to all agree. And one person can shut it down. You know, we saw Naraya. Was that her name? Yeah. There's this woman, Naraya, for listeners who haven't watched the show yet, who's this like very new agey, spiritual kind of gal. And she's like not vibing with the group. There's some very serious conflict that goes on. And there's a disagreement about whether she should be kicked out or not. And we see Tree kind of speak up pretty fervently as well as another woman. Was there any other instance where everyone pretty much agreed? Oh, actually, I feel like I watched one. Tyler, who's this new guy who comes in, who's this very like masculine prepper type who wants to teach people how to hunt and everyone's kind of on board with that. And then it seemed like one person said, I don't want to hunt. I'm not for killing animals or whatever. And so they shut it down. How often would that happen where one person would just say something and then it would be like, okay, no, we're not doing that. A lot. And really? like, of course, for the nature of the show, you we can't show how long these councils are. They're yeah. like four hours. So like oh within the council, we're also sort of part of the council. Like, again, as as part of being a documentarian and my job, I really tried not to weigh in too heavily because they would defer to us too, or they'd try to solicit our input. But I'd be like, I don't want to dictate what they're going to do. Like if they decide today that they don't think it's important to get water. And then two days from now, they're all like thirsty that, you know, that's something that I'd be interested to follow. So I don't want to be like, you guys should really think about getting water because it's going to get hot in two days, you know? So stuff like that. <laughs> like, um, but, but we were sitting in those things for hours and hours and hours. And a lot of times it would be, Hey, I want to do this. And one person would say, I don't feel comfortable. And they would eventually, they, Another way they would go about resolving things, they would create subcommittees. So it'd be like, okay, let's break. And you can take that thing up with the environmental committee. And if you guys can come back with a better proposal, we'll consider it the next time around. Like 
The storm shelter that was also part of one of those initial councils was something that continued to be brought up and was blocked at various times because of how are we going to do it? Um, that it was talked about, but it's, I don't want to bring machinery onto the land if we can't, you know, it's, it's that constant tension of, of they would call it being um, sustainable while also being productive. So they would want to use the resources of society if it meant, okay, we can get things done faster and accomplish it better. But if there's a more sustainable way, they would always try to encourage that. So um, building a storm shelter was something that got blocked a few times until uh, as of the most recent episode, you'll see that a tornado touched down like seven miles away from where we were. And it became like, you know, this is where I, me as producer weighing in, I'm like, we really got to figure this out because we're all yeah. and like, I'm not going to get trapped. Um, so uh, the block, the reason why it was blocked was we don't want to bring in outside machinery. And then, but slowly then the group consciousness changed when we actually were confronted with a tornado, then it was, okay, we actually need this. Maybe we allocate some of our, our funding and everyone's going to then ask, how do they get funding? They get funding because they, they, take donations. They also do a lot of like going out into the world and playing music. They're a highly musical group, like play busking is what it's called. They'll play music and get money given to them, or they'll do like farm stands and sell produce and all that sort of stuff. So that's how they create this like little pot of funds. Mm. Um, But I mean, mainly it's donation based. And uh, so they decided to allocate like a certain amount of money to actually invest in creating a storm shelter eventually after several times of being blocked by one person just saying, I, I don't like the idea of having like a, it's called like a bobcat, like a little sort of digging right. machine on the land. Yeah, uh, I mean, that's the problem with those consensus things is everybody's like, well, I don't like the idea of blowing up into the air in a tornado and <laughs> flying away like right. a cow in the Wizard of Oz. When it comes to safety considerations yeah. where there, some people might actually know more about yeah. what's safe. And I, mm-hmm. I think you guys captured such an exciting show. I mean, you got a tornado after this <laughs> entire, you know, yeah, before. I know the timing was wild. Like it's one of those things, an interview that didn't make it in the show was um, the, the TB that we had worked on for so long uh, got blown over in one of the storms. And mm. I, I remember talking to Julie afterwards and she was just like, I don't know why so many things have gotten so fucked up this whole month. And it's true. It's like, whether or not it's, it was weather related or just like uh, growing pains of starting a new community or the pressure that comes with just having cameras around at all times. Because like, mm-hmm. you know, I'm not going to pretend that that's not a factor like that. Definitely. Right. Even though even though we're hands off, like it, it, it's very having a camera is, is almost like having a mirror. It eventually will reveal yourself. And it was pretty nuts, even from an outsider or from a, my perspective. I was like, we really did kind of step into this weird vortex of a month and a half where just like crazy shit kept happening over and over and over again. Dude, the drama is transfixing. (laughs) Like this is a great show. Before we were recording, I was saying to Megan that the fact that the tornado happened after Tyler was like, we really should probably have a storm shelter. And they were like, nah. And and then suddenly it's like, oh shit. Now Tyler like maybe is someone who's going to try to have more of a voice. And maybe that's, it is like screenwriting. It it is like the perfect... Yeah, there's a little Lord of the Flies aspect of it, too. Yeah, yeah. Like, there is no power. Who's holding the conch shell? But, like, some people just have better ideas. Yeah, and then some people want to assert 
those ideas more strongly Mm -hmm. than other people. It's a fascinating like social experiment, regardless what you think of the group. It is just like watching humans come together who are completely different and whose backgrounds like, yes, they all want to be off grid and they all want to be preppers in some way, but they're all so different. So different. I know. Exactly. And that's what's that's that is the the tension of the show. It's like these people, especially the people that that came in to the group. They all were seeking this way of life for various reasons. I mean, like Tyler is a prepper, so he calls it his wet dream. He's like, this is like a prepper's wet dream in that I get to prepare for the end of the world before the end of the world happens. So hell yes, this is a great opportunity. Tashila also is firmly in belief that like AI is going to take over the world. Jessica, our wonderful 25-year-old Valley girl, she <laughs> essentially is like, I haven't done anything that's off my phone. Like my relationship to, to technology is so unhealthy. And also she's like a Manson girl, like in a different life. She she's she was fascinated by cults. She got kind of swept up in this, um, in in the whole cult allegations on TikTok and wanted to see for herself. Mm. And then and then Tyler Covington, aka Oak, he uh it was more of a personal journey. You know, he he gained some weight and he wanted to get back to being able to provide for his family and also believe that society is on the decline. And I think that's, that is a, the more I was spending with them and the more I talk about the show to other people, I think that is a sentiment that's shared by a lot of people that society is not great right now or like not serving us in the long run. Mm. And for various things, there's a lot of scary things that's like, whether it's climate crisis, whether it's, banks failing or, or AI taking over, you know, people are, are definitely skeptical that like in, within our lifetime, some shit might hit the fan. And, um, and I think that was another interesting part of the show separate than what initially got us in it is like the cold allegations. Now it's, Oh, there's actually a bigger story, which is this like overall sentiment of is society collapsing around us? Or right. Not? Yeah. It's so interesting. The different, like, ways people respond to that. I'm like, yeah, I want a cyanide pill in case. What- <laughs> I don't right. want to like, like cold, have- Kool-Aid. Yeah, no, exactly. Yeah. Right. I don't want to like live on a farm. Oh and- my God. I do. No, I yeah, want to prep, but, I, but on a cabin, I, w- I want shelter. I don't want to live a- the alone lifestyle. That's my point. Like, like but it's can- either, it's either like cyanide for me or, or that's, <laughs> Oh my God. I mean, I grew up on a farm, so I feel yeah, very that's important. You should go. You should swing through Missouri. If you know, <laughs> just test it out. I used to work in Missouri every summer at the Ozarks. Oh my God. Yeah. Um, no, as I was watching, I was like, I, I relate zero to these people, but like, I can see that a lot of them are really are good people, but I just relate zero. Like, I don't know what I would, I would talk about. Oh, I, I think I would have. More I think you would talk. relate yeah. way more than I would. Yeah. yeah. There's a lot of vibe talk. Like, you know, like. There's I, someone okay. named Vibe. <laughs> I, there's someone named Vibe. Soul, uh, Shine, you know, like. Yeah. I, I definitely re-created this whole new, like, lexicon for myself. And I'd be like, <laughs> we just want to flow into this. You know, we get the cameras <laughs> and flow right in. Like, what's the vibe check? And I I came back to New York being like, I, what am I saying? Like, what <laughs> Were you given like a name? I was not given a name. No, I was not given a name, but other people like the, the Jessica, for instance, was given the name Juniper. Like they, you know, Tyler was given Oak, but uh, I was not so lucky to be given a name. No. Like it seemed like most people had names that were not their birth names. Is that a part of it? Definitely. Yeah. It's, it was, and it was explained to me just that like, 
stepping into this new way of life as a rebirth. And so it's like reclaiming your sense of who you are. Um, and so, yeah, it was garden names. It was rainbow names. It's like all based off of earth and, and vibes and energy. Like this one girl, Jag, her name is Jagalora. And she was like, I just came up with that name. Like, so, and, but she was like, but that energy spoke to me, the energy of like a Jaguar spoke to me. So, you know, there's like, um, various ways that people stepped into it, but it was definitely about like rebirth now that they were separate of society. There are these elements that are like, that is cult-like when you're supposed to like sort of leave behind your identity and form this new one that's a part of the group. But yeah, I mean, it's all people can watch for themselves and kind of draw their own conclusions. Two questions I don't want to forget. One is, can you sort of explain how people eat, what the like day-to-day life is like, and why the cat thing is maybe a little bit more, not as egregious as people might have thought initially? (laughs) Okay, so the the way that these people predominantly get their food is through dumpster diving. I would say 70% of their diet is scavenging the dumpster and eating whatever they can make. And, you know, obviously that's shocking to any one of us to just be like, okay, that's disgusting that you're getting your food from the dumpster. And it's not just like, it's like meats and produce. So it's like, okay, this isn't just like packaged goods. Right. Um, but you know, they, they make a really compelling point about the amount of food waste in America. And that just like, oftentimes these, uh, bell peppers just have like a mark on them. And so they're cast out. And so, um, and then they go through a rigorous cleaning process with vinegar and biodegradable soaps and things like that to get the food in a good place before they eat it. Um, so I did eat a lot of dumpster food while I was there and, uh, Getting over the mental hurdle is very tough, but, you know, it's all heavily cooked down. So it wasn't too bad. The other 30% is roadkill. You know, maybe not, that's like a strong 30%, but roadkill in that they would, they would go look for, for fresh roadkill and break it down that way. And then if you were allowed to hunt, hunting is also part of that. Um, I would say a decent amount and, and then they would grow, um, they would raise like livestock some communities will raise, raise livestock, chickens and roosters and things um, to butcher and eat as well. So that is pretty much how they went about feeding community and then donations. So then they that's a big thing. If you were to go to any one of these communities and you bring a bag of potatoes, they'll love you. So that's, that's part mm. of it too. Mm. Um, but the cat thing, to circle it back to the cat thing, given the fact that they are this sustainable community and that like all food is protein is protein. This cat was a feral wild cat, not like a pet. It was a cat that was killing their chickens. So killing their food supply. So they in turn killed the cat because it was a predator to their food supply. And instead of wasting it, they decided to make cat stew. And so all of this is pretty disgusting, but can be justified in that way. Um, And uh, that is why there's a little bit more nuance than like, oh, they're killing cats and eating it. You know, that on its face sounds crazy. But when you actually dig into it a little bit more, it really fits with their ethos. And and again, it was this animal that was also attacking their chickens. So it's a little bit more understandable. My mom lives, she has a bunch of animals and I grew up on a farm and, you know, my family has frequently lived in rural areas when an animal is killing your animals, it is really, really normal and common to, even though I think it's really sad and would never want to do it, that's like super normal in rural rural areas to like kill the animal that's killing your animals. 
I just think that's important to make because there was so much panic about that specifically. And like, you might still disagree with it, but there is like a reason for it. Yeah, exactly. And I also think like the reason why that this shit is so like hot button is because like a lot of, it's like very coastal in that way. Like, as you were just saying, so this Gen Z TikTok, you know, it's, it's definitely more geared towards people in New York and LA being like, are you seeing this? This is crazy. But if you were to get out in the middle of America, they'd be like, yeah, like, as you were saying, rural communities do this all the time. Like, this is like a decision that you're confronted with often. Right. I think the issue becomes of, and then we put it on TikTok because Mm -hmm. then you're kind of like not of the right mind of what people might think is a cult or not. And I think that that's when it gets a little confusing of like your behaviors, something that a lot of people aren't going to understand. Right. Maybe just keep it on the deal. Just like, yeah, Yeah. keep, keep it on the farm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, For sure. sure. They need like, they need like a marketing manager, you know, (laughs) like not everyone is going to think this is cool. You guys. Right. Right. Side note. I was watching with Jack, my boyfriend who works in food recovery. Literally, his job is with a food recovery organization that takes food that was going to go to waste from grocery stores and restaurants and brings it to shelters because their whole mission is like, apparently a significant contributor to climate change is all of the food that goes to waste in the ground. And then also so many people go hungry while there's all this food that's still Uh, perfectly good, but it just like technically had its expiration date, but it's still good for like another fucking week or two. Especially in Los Angeles too, with like movie sets and events. Well, now LA or potentially California in general, I can't remember which one, there is now a law that places can't waste food. So now, you know, they cannot put good food into the dumpsters. That's a good thing for us California folks. But anyway, so in terms of that, like, I agree with that general lifestyle. Like, we should not be wasting food. We should be making use of all of our resources and not contributing to climate change. Um, Would I want to eat roadkill? Probably not. But But then they would ask of you, they would say, then why not next time you go to the grocery store, consider going to the dumpster first, you know? Like that is they are that much more radical about it. So like, I agree. I agree with it too, but it's like, that's a step to take to yeah. yeah, have your first stop be the dumpster and then whatever you can't get, go inside and buy it, you know? So how frequently did you find people talking about the end of the world? Did it have kind of a doomsday vibe? All the time. Like this is their favorite topic of conversation. We would talk about the end of the world all the time. And it is fascinating for someone that is like, a documentarian to, t- to go down these like rabbit hole discussions because so many people had such varying opinions about it. Like, um, it, I mean, even, I don't know how much of it made it into the final episode, but there was a, a moment where Tyler and Patrick were fixing the road that leads up into the community. And they were talking about, you know, there was differing visions of the land that were, that emerged while we were out there. Like, what is the purpose of this land? You know, tree wanted to do it for, young people and try to seduce the youth into changing their way of life. Like Patrick is like, this is too for families and there's a lot of work to be done and all that sort of thing. So there was a real split, but within that moment with Patrick and Tyler, they both talked about at length how the world's going to end. And, um, you know, you can't help yourself if you're standing behind the hammer to be like, well, yeah, but like, I kind of agree, you know, you like want to jump in and chat about it, but that (laughs) doom and gloom is, is definitely part of this, community, but they, with an asterisk of hope, they believe society is going to collapse, but they want to say there is a way when it does collapse, join us in the woods. So 
they're essentially preparing for that to happen. Um, and, and to varying levels, like some people have differing opinions on it. Like tree does not want the world to end. He wants to get enough people to live this way of life now so that society can almost heal itself. So it's yeah, like he, he's preparing for society not to end. Whereas yeah. Patrick thinks the world will end. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So why does he bother who Patrick? Because he's saying like, when it does, we are here for. Okay. 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 Is there a religious tent to Patrick? No. And you know, with most of these people are um, pretty like agnostic or atheist. Um, If if there is a bent, it's like towards, it's towards the universe. It's towards earth. It's toward, you know, but it's not traditional religion in that way. Um, Patrick specifically, I actually couldn't answer that, but he didn't, I mean, he didn't lead with it ever. So, um, you know, I don't want to say he's, not religious. And he come out and say, no, I I actually am. I just don't really talk about it, you know? So, um, but no, that was never something that was part of his like core tenets, but it does feel that way. The, the Babylon, the, the book of revelations vibe is is definitely at play. Mm. And the suspicion that everyone had of the outside world, like, did you have a sense that most of it kind of came from the TikTok paranoia or do you feel like it kind of just existed already and was exacerbated by that? I think it existed already and was exacerbated. So, you know, um, again, because a lot of these people are anarchists. So with being anarchists, you're already suspicious that the government doesn't have your best interests at heart. So you're suspicious of outsiders coming in and and asking questions. Right. Right. Um, So that is already just like the baseline of these people. Then when they were like, okay, how do we get to the world? They, they found a lot of success initially in TikTok and like, getting more people to show up and they're like, great, we're recruiting all these new members and these people are, are curious about our way of life. And they thought it was just like awesome until as social media does turned on them. Um, then they of course became that much more paranoid. They were like, we almost reluctantly opened ourselves up to this found success only to be accused even more of something that they believe they're not, which is a cult. So they just, had very little trust for anybody at that point. Um, It's not that they're like mean. It's just, it's like there, there is a wall and it's almost impenetrable. Like they trust each other and they'll huddle up and they'll talk. And then it's not like they're like overtly rude to you, but they just don't want to expose themselves too much to you. It was a lot to get them to like give their real feelings on certain things. Yeah. One thing that I thought was super interesting to watch was like, while yes, they are actively recruiting, there doesn't really seem to be, and correct me if I'm wrong, but there doesn't really seem to be love bombing so much as like suspicion and almost like in high school. (laughs) Clicks? Yeah, it's clicky. And new people who come in have to sort of like fight their way into acceptance. Is that accurate? I would say it's clicky. Yeah, for sure. And I like Tree even admits it. Like Tree at some point was like, yeah, like it's bec- like the reason why people like me is because I'm cool. Like I, he like <laughs> verbatim said that, and I was like, oh, <laughs> he does. This is so high school. Yeah, they're just closer friends than other people, but these are the people that are more entrenched. So the outsiders automatically have like an uphill battle to climb in to try to like become friends with them or to try to even just get in their sort of good graces. And then you know, again, a, a person that will say that there's a hierarchy would say like they do that intentionally. They keep the clicks closed off intentionally so that they consolidate power and that they can maintain order 
to serve them. And it could filter out someone who's not as like loyal or devoted or dedicated or whatever. Exactly. Because they're skeptical, but they will say, you know, it takes a long time to build trust and to know that you're not trying to, uh, that you're not part of the FBI and that you're not this, that, the other. So that's why we remain closed off and clicky. Um, and then, but of course, like when, when we trust you, you're in and everything is hunky dory at that point. So it's definitely, that was also a big part of the show the whole time was, um, did they trust the outsiders and how hard it was to break into that inner circle? And like, I don't think it's out of bounds for me to say that there was an inner circle, whether or not that's a hierarchy of leaders is like up to the audience, but for sure, the people that had been living this way of life the longest were naturally closer and more closed off. Right. It is interesting watching a bunch of self-proclaimed anarchists like still just follow the basic human pattern of behavior, which is that hierarchies emerge sort of naturally and you, and then they do have to end up structuring. They have a whole system of how everything works. Like you do have to develop a system or it's just total yeah, chaos. Even when they kicked the girl out, people were like, we want her out though. Like more, I would say out their personalities. And then a few people were like, no, I want her to stay. And then Within 10 minutes, they're convinced that you don't want to be the one holding up the group. Yeah. You don't want to be the only one dissenting. Exactly. It's a hard place to, and it like this again, it goes back to this like high school feeling. Like you don't want to be on the outside. And it's a, it's hard for anyone to be that one dissenting voice, that one person that's like standing up for if you think it's the right thing or not. Um, It's hard to, it's like that's a tough island to be on. And like, so, so much of what we came in to do was we were there to essentially like document them starting this off-grid community. So it's like a build show. It's like, you know, that's great. It's, yeah. is this a, is it a cult or is it not, you know, digging into these allegations and then a lot of this like society ending and can these outsiders hack it. When we were there though, it became this weird like house reality without a home situation because human nature just like takes over. So it becomes like, like some of the shit that would happen, I'm like, this is so petty. And it's almost like, it's like housewives adjacent sort of. Yes, but like, yes. But like it was awesome. So I'm like, it's like three <laughs> legitimately stolen Araya's phone. So it's like, what? Like, why is he stealing phones? Like what is happening? But like, you would think of that in like the housewives, oh, they flip a table sort of thing. But like, we're not producing towards this. It's just like a collection of people inevitably just becomes like these, even if you're underneath the roof or not, you start fighting over little dumb stuff. By episode three, I texted Megan and I was like, I almost feel like I'm watching a Christopher Guest movie now because these characters are just so like you, it's hard to believe that they're real. And also I've been watching Bachelor in Paradise and the drama is like of equal level to that. But in terms of like Mm -hmm. trees stole Naraya's phone out of paranoia. You know, it was sort of alarming to watch this paranoia about Naraya kind of grow. And you could see how it, that could evolve and grow into something like a little bit more sinister. You know, we left off on episode five. Does it get any darker? <laughs> five is a good, five is five. There's a lot of darkness. I, I felt like by, you know, because of that, the community, what really became at play was the community splitting, right? Um, and that was, all of this stuff. And and again, it comes back to like my ethos. Like I try to be as hands-off as possible. Again, like sometimes as a producer, it's like, just make sure that you tell us when things are happening so cameras can be there. But when you're just embedded in a community for that long, like things just started happening. And very, very real was Tree thought that this Missouri property was going to be more like open and party-centric and 
all this sort of stuff. Patrick did not. And so because they are kind of the two focal points, the rest of the community started to fall in line. And it was this like bickering and they didn't want to seem like they weren't on the same page. So there was, it was very hard to get that information out. But of course, you know, microphones are running and there's audio and eventually it all comes to a head. I will say in episode six, and, and this is foreshadowed in episode five, you know, uh, Jessica reaches back out to Naraya. And so I would say that like, while the middle episodes, there's just a lot of, we, we dig more into, you know, an outsider's perspective in the community. Can you hack it? What is, is the society going to collapse? Cult or not comes back around in full circle in episode six. So that is, we, we, there's definitely a, a punctuation on whether or not this place actually is what it is. And, and to your point, is there even an even darker underbelly that um, is at play? So yeah, there's, there's, there's more to dig into and more to tease. And, you know, our, our hope, of course, everything I do too is with the goal of doing multiple seasons of and digging in further. And this is one of those stories that we, I feel like we're only scratching the surface. Oh, yeah. And how many episodes are there total? Six. So we're gearing oh, up for the last the final. Oh my God. I can't wait. I'm so invested. I can also see that if something were to go wrong, it could get bad. A hundred percent. I mean, especially when you have such strong differing opinions and people who are conflicting over wanting a leadership position. And then you have the exclusion of other people and you have this personalities. mm -hmm, You have the identity change and everyone's in such extreme circumstances. And there is a really strong pressure to conform and not ruffle feathers. So yeah, there are a lot of elements here that like, could converge in a way that's really unhealthy. And I guess that sort of remains to be seen. To be seen. Yeah. Yeah. To be seen. I appreciated the Lord of the Flies reference earlier because there is that too of like, in the end, uh, again, I think there's just a a natural way that society organizes around someone who has the strongest voice in the room. So, you know, who in the end has the strongest voice? Well, okay. So where can people find the show and tell us the name again? The show is called The Garden Commune or Cults, and it is currently airing on Discovery Channel, but it will also drop on Max at the end, I believe the first week of December. So all six episodes have to air on Linear on cable on Discovery Channel, and then they will drop all six episodes on Max. So you can binge it whenever you want over Christmas. Perfect <laughs> Christmas thing to watch. But yeah, Discover- it's, it's uh, currently on Discovery Channel. Perfect. I can't wait to see how, I guess, this season ends at least. And thank you so much for coming on today. Thank you so much, you guys. This was so fun to talk and you guys are great and glad that we've made, you know, fans out of you. So uh, <laughs> yeah, definitely stay that. tuned for episode six and, uh, and let me know, let me know what you think. And that concludes our interview with Annie. Interesting. So Megan, I think you kind of answered this in the interview, but do you think that you would join the garden? I love it. I I love I yeah, I I do. I just don't like camping if it <laughs> if it had electricity and a house, yeah, for sure. In their original on their original property, not the one in the show, but the the one that went viral on TikTok, did they have indoor areas? I don't know. I guess I remember seeing like huts, but not necessarily like a hut cabins. is not going to do it for me. No, I would if if there were cabins, I'd yeah. be happy. But yeah. also not really. I can't. No, no, there's no there's no way. Yeah. If I if it were cabins, but a bunch of people who really liked to shower and mm-hmm. 
um, not talk about the end of the world. Yeah. That, then, then you would join. Yeah. That's cool. <laughs> you might be, you might be something that someone, not something, someone that Tree should meet because it seems like he's wanting to do more of like not talk about the end of the world to prevent the end of the yeah, world. Yeah, but he wants to do Burning Man and that's not my vibe either. You know what I mean? Damn it, that's true. <laughs> I, do I don't love know if Tree. me and Tree are going to vibe. Yeah, I like him. I'll, I'll vibe with him. That's fine. Uh, he is very distinctive looking though. Like I feel like that man, it makes sense to me that that dude went viral. He's yeah, like absolutely. so like over the top and, and extravagant and and handsome but like wild looking i don't know yeah he's cool he's fascinating anyway um yeah final thoughts about group dynamics oh my god they're complicated i mean go to a group dinner (laughs) it's all the same yeah we are we just like the leader will naturally emerge yeah and then they will be overthrown and then people will want new leader yeah yeah but um it's it's worth noting at the holidays when you're with your family that you know sometimes those like group dynamics come into play and then you're playing <laughs> your old role and all of those things yeah. so anyway this is a fun little show maybe to to get an escape and realize honestly yeah um all right perfect thank you guys so much for hanging out with us for another week we'll see you next week and as always remember to follow your gut watch out for red flags and And never never, ever ever trust trust me me. bye trust me is produced by kirsten woodward gabby rapp and steve delamater with special thanks to stacy para and our theme song was composed by holly amber church you can find us on instagram at trust me podcast twitter at trust me cult pod or on tiktok at trust me cult podcast i'm ula lola on instagram and ola lola on twitter and i am megan elizabeth 11 on instagram and babraham hicks on twitter remember to rate and review and spread the word